I want to start with a question. We kick off this brand new series that's going to be several weeks, lead us into the Christmas season, and I've got to start with a, with a burning question. Have you ever gotten a song stuck in your brain? A song that you don't want, but it comes up at the most in opportune times. Hands all locations. Anybody ever gotten a song stuck in your head and you're like, get it out, Jesus. I mean, it could be a song from the past. It could be a a local song. It could be a song your kids are hearing on Nickelodeon, but it just, it it, it just gets in there like an, like an alien off of the movie Alien. It just gets in there. Songs like, who let the dogs out? Yeah, that's a little old school. I got stuck in my, grew up on who let the dogs out. And whoop, there it is. What about, what about this one? What about this one? Um, <clears throat> hey, Mickey, you're so fine. You're so fine. You blow my mind. Hey, Mickey. Uh, okay, okay, good at Lufkin, Nacogdoches. I know you were better. You were better. Oh, this one, I would, I would couple skate. Couple skate to this one. And I swear. By the moon and the stars in the sky, I'll be there. And you're laying in bed, and it's the only thing that goes through your head. For better or worse, till death do us part. You know what? Not only popular songs, but commercials. Commercial jingles. Anybody ever uh, call J.D. Wentworth, 877-CASH-NOW? Yeah, Hello. I want my baby back, baby back, baby back, baby back, baby back, baby back, chilies, baby back ribs, barbecue sauce. Of course, my my kids reminded me this morning of this one. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, very good. You guys are boy. You never quote scripture like that, but you're doing really good on these songs. Of course, my son sings it like this. Oh, 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 O'Reilly always farts. Anyway, that's, that's the 11-year-old version, sorry. You're welcome. You're going to be singing that now. Um, it's always awkward walking through Walmart and you've got the song, this song stuck in your head and you're a pastor and you're, you're singing, You make me feel like a natural woman. I don't know. It just gets, it gets stuck in there. Over the next several weeks, I, I don't want to get a song stuck in your head. But I do hope to get one of the greatest songs ever written seared into your heart. It's a song written several thousand years ago. But it is a soundtrack to victory. The words are potent. They they are sweet to a child and they are perplexing to a scholar. Max Locato says it like this, do more beloved words exist, framed and hung in hospital hallways, scratched onto prison walls, quoted by the young, whispered by the dying. In these lines of this great song, sailors have found a harbor, the frightened have found a father, the strugglers have found a friend. It's more than a sweet poem. 
there's a sense of stability and tranquility and certainty that is layered through this beautiful song. And I'm talking about the author David, the musician David, who penned many, many songs in his lifetime, but one that is probably the most famous in church and outside of the church, Psalm 23. Psalm 23 is one of the first scriptures we learn as kids inside or outside the church. We kind of get to maybe verse 2, 3, and then it kind of can fall off for some of us. We got the first part, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. But then it can get a little dicey the farther you go in. He leads me in paths of goodness and mercy. Like we can kind of lose the words. I hope that by the end of our time over the next few weeks, that when you're struggling, when you're up late at night thinking through that conversation, when the tension is high at work, when there's a decision to be made, that way beyond that soundtrack on KFOX or KSWP, the words of the psalm in Psalm 23 would be the soundtrack of victory for your life. Now, Psalm 23 is so popular Here's what I think you can expect. In fact, what you can expect from this series, number one, is you can expect familiarity to breed invisibility. Because Psalm 23 is so familiar, many times you can get, it can become invisible, the potency within these words. Six verses, but they are power-packed. And we are going to drill deep into every single verse over the next several weeks. So I'm hoping that the familiarity won't breed invisibility, but I want you to come expecting. Do you know, if you come to church expecting to be bored out of your skull, chances are it can happen. If you come to church expecting for you not to like the worship music, guess what will probably happen? You probably won't like the worship music. If you come to church expecting to get something out of it versus Jesus, what can I give to you? See, the, the, the right expectation is, Jesus, I hope you get something out of worship today. I hope you get something out of my life today. See, expectations are critical in this whole series. So here's what I think you can expect. I think you can expect Jesus to speak fresh things from familiar places. That even though you may have Psalm 23 memorized or get it memorized in the first couple of weeks, it can bring something new to your soul. I think you should expect transformation over information. I'm going to give you some new knowledge. I'm going to give you some new content. There's been several times as I've been prepared this series that I've placed my hands just off the keyboard in my office and just said, oh, God, thank you. Thank you that this is who you are and you show it so clearly to us. And I, I'm not looking just to preach info to you. I'm asking God to bring transformation to you and to your families Oh, that there would be families that would learn Psalm 23 and say it together at night. Say it together in the morning. I have a morning ritual. It involves several different things from when, I, when the alarm goes off to when I start my day. And my ritual has several pieces and I've added Psalm 23 to the mix. When my alarm goes off, I get up, I go to the bathroom, I drink a half a bottle of water, I turn on the faucet to get it hot, I take a rag, I wash my face before I go and have my devotions. But as I'm washing my face, I look into the mirror and I say three things. I say the Lord's Prayer. I, I quote Psalm 23. And I end by saying, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit today. I started doing that last part 
as last year in, in March when we did a series called Gold from Golgotha and Jesus ending the day saying, into your hands I commit my spirit. I, I like to, to start my day saying those things. And it, it really calibrates my thinking and my emotions and my processes for that 24 hours. And then I get on and I do what I need to do. I'm hoping that it will be integrated into some of your rituals. Not just something to quote, but something to live by. And I expect us to know and believe he is all I need. A lot of people got some needs. A lot of people got some wants. I promise you, if you will lean into who Jesus really is, he will become all you need. And so to start, we're going to do this for a few weeks. In fact, we may do it every week. We're going to quote Psalm 23 together. There's different versions of Psalm 23 because of different translations. We're going to go to the New King James Version and say it from there. It's one of the more popular ways to say it if you've already kind of got, gotten started on it. And so all locations, we're going to say it out loud together. Are you ready? Here we go. Let's say it. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. The greatest song ever penned, everybody. And it's for you today. Father, in the next few moments, speak to us. Images of a sheep so taken care of and a shepherd that is so faithful. Would you speak fresh revelation? The battles in our lives are real. Life is hard. Life can be scary. But you are strong. And you are able. And you are kind. And so we look to you to reveal yourself to us today. In Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said amen. So let's dig deep into the very first line, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Now, it may be more engaging for us to want to jump into, you know, the whole uh, walking through the valleys of the shadow of death, because maybe that's where you are, or you'd like to anoint the head with oil, bless God, anointing, ha <laughs> Or maybe you just want to eat sushi in front of your enemies, like prepare a table before me. I'm going to eat a ham sandwich and watch them prepare a table before me in the presence of my boss. And we can talk about all those things, and we will. But we got we to gotta put first things first. And there's a reason why Jesus teaches the disciples how to pray by starting with our Father. Because you got to get the right things in the right order. If God's not first, nothing else in your life aligns. In fact, out of the 117 words that make up Psalm 23, all the 115 hang on the first two words, the Lord. This is all about what the Lord is, what the Lord does 
We don't know what we are in this story unless we get the first two words right. And David is answering a critical question thousands of years early. But if you fast forward a thousand years into the life of Jesus, Jesus has been living, he's been gathering his disciples together, he's been on his ministry, he's given the Sermon on the Mount, and he's taken his disciples through a place called Caesarea Philippi. And he takes them to the, the uh, headwaters of the Jordan. The headwaters are basically where that part of the, of the river begins. Uh, there, there's springs that spring forth there in Caesarea Philippi. And that's the beginning. That's the, head, that's the front waters, the headwaters of the Jordan River. And he takes his disciples to this place that this massive rock, a massive hole in the ground that for a long time they thought was bottomless. And it's at the base of a mountain called Hermon, Mount Hermon. It is because it's at the base of this mountain and because it's headwaters of the Jordan River that not only was it a special place uh, that Jesus wanted to take his disciples, it was a special place for uh, deities or, or, or gods, little g gods. Uh, the Canaanites celebrated this place as the birthplace of Baal. Baal was the god of fertility. Baal was the god of rain and dew and mist. And here's the deal with the Israelites. The Israelites weren't ever really denouncing God as their god. They just had a problem with God being the only god. That's why the very first commandment that God gives Moses on tablets to the Israelites in the wilderness is, there shall have no other gods before me. Because it wasn't that they didn't believe in God. They just believed in a whole lot of other gods. So when the crops wouldn't grow... They said, God, we love you, but we also need to pray to Baal. Because Baal is the God of dew, the God of rain, the God of crops, the God of fertility. And we're, we want him to, 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 to give fertility to not only our wombs, but also to our, our harvest fields. For the Greeks and the Romans, it was the birthplace of Pan. And Pan is kind of the, a devilish figure, large horns, um, a, a musician himself. Plays the pan flute. If, if you are like, my only dream is to play the pan flute. You're in good company <laughs> with pan. Um, he, he was the god of the wilderness, the god of instrumentation, and they would serve God. In fact, it's kind of funny. They believed that pan lived in, the, in a bottomless hole at the bottom of Mount Hermon and that there was a river at the bottom of the bottomless hole. It's kind of hard to have a river at a bottomless hole, but I digress. Anyway. Pan would live in the bottomless hole there in the river of the bottomless hole. And then Herod, Herod built a temple to Caesar because Caesar was God in that time. And Herod wanted to make it in good with the, the Roman emperor Caesar. And so it's at this place that Jesus gathers disciples around and he says, hey, I got a question for you. It's the critical question that David answers in Psalm 23.1. And it's a question that Jesus asks of the disciples. And it's a question we're going to talk about today. Jesus asks, hey, who do people say that I am? Who do people say that I am? What's the word on the street? What's the trending scuttlebutt? What's going trending on Twitter? What's the latest hashtag about old JC? What's going on? And the disciples answer in several different ways. One of the disciples says, well, you know, some people say you are, you are J.B. 
Justin Bieber. No, 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 JB, John the Baptist. That's who people say you are. You're John the Baptist. Other people say you are Moses or, or you're Elijah or you're the prophet Jeremiah or the other prophets. I don't even have time to name them. You know, they're the minor prophets. There's some, one of those guys, you know. Okay, okay, that's who people say that I am. That's, that's the trending hashtag. But who do you say that I am? It doesn't so much matter what culture says. Who do you say that I am? It's a critical question. And Peter pipes up, and, and with the fear of being blasphemous, he says, I'll tell you who you are. You are the Christ, the anointed one, the Messiah, the son of the living God. And Jesus says, whew, that didn't just come from you. The Spirit gave you that. And then Jesus in Matthew 16 gives us this statement. He says, that's right. And upon this rock, I will build my church and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. Now, what's been misinterpreted is that upon this rock would mean Peter because earlier in the, in the Gospels, Jesus describes Peter as the rock. Simon, son of John, you're not going to be Simon, son of John. You're going to be Cephas, which is Peter, which when translated means rock. But he's not talking about Peter. He's talking about what came out of Peter's mouth. That's the rock. That's the foundation. That's the truth. Upon this rock, the truth of I am the anointed one. I'm going to build my church. I'm going to build the body of Christ, not on your buildings, not on your brick, not on your mortar, not on your pastors, not on your people, not on saints gone by. I'm going to build it on the truth that is I am who I say I am. I am the Lord. And a thousand years before Jesus asked the question and Peter declared the answer, David penned it in the most famous song of all time, the Lord is my shepherd. So answering the critical question this morning, write it down in your notes if you're taking notes. Answering the critical question today in 2019, we would ask this, who is he to me? Not David. Okay. Who, who am I to me? No, no, no. Who is he to me? Because if you can't get the answer to that question right, I want to say something to you. There's a lot of good news in this song. But if you don't start in the right place with him being the Lord and him being your shepherd, if he's not that, when you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, there's no promise that you will have someone with you. When you are around your enemies, there's no guarantee that just because you kept your nose clean and you came to church every once in a while and, and you were a good person and your grandma prayed for you a lot of good prayers... That doesn't give you a guarantee that you can sit and be confident in the presence of your enemies. Or that you will ever have an anointing on your life. You can read this and you can memorize it and it can be information. But what makes this song transformative is the very first line. The Lord is my shepherd. He wants to be your shepherd. The truth is though, it's not in your notes. You may want to jot it down though. Everyone has a shepherd. Every single person on the planet has a shepherd. It, 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 shepherd is something or someone that you are fed by, guided by, shielded by, and driven by. There is something in every one of us or someone around all of us that would answer to the call as your shepherd. And so really the way we fill in the blank here 
it looks a lot of different to looks different to a lot of different people. A lot of people will finish this. They'll fill in the blank like this. They'll, they'll say, "Work is my shepherd." Because if I, man, if I if I didn't have work, I don't know what I'd do. They say. Friendship is my shepherd because, man, I'm so reliant upon friendships. I never want to feel alone, and I will do anything and everything and say anything and become anything as long as I never feel like I'm being abandoned. Feelings is my shepherd. The way I feel about something is the way it's going to guide me. Even when I might think my feelings are leading me astray, it doesn't matter. If it feels good, I'm going to do it. If it feels right, it must not be wrong. If loving you is right, I don't want to be wrong. Yeah, it is if you're married to someone else, idiot. That whole song is about an affair. Look up the lyrics. Feelings are my shepherd. Desire, my hormones, desire can become my shepherd. Power, as long as I have authority and responsibility and I've got that promotion, that's going to be my shepherd. What I get fed by and guided by and shielded by and driven by. Knowledge is my shepherd as long as I'm smart. You know, this whole idea of a book that's that's thousands of years old. It's written by different authors. I mean, come on. It's antiquated. That's a museum artifact. Should we really be living our lives on the word of God? I mean, mean, I've been listening to this guy called BillyJack675 at Yahoo.com who's got a YouTube channel. And he seems to have a whole lot of things figured out more than, you know, the Apostle Paul and Jesus and Billy Graham. (laughs) Knowledge becomes my shepherd. As long as I've got the knowledge, I've got the upper hand. My spouse is my shepherd. Oh, hello. And some of you, you know, that's true. You may not think it this way, but my paycheck is my shepherd. Man, if I didn't have my paycheck, where am I going to go? What am I going to do? What's going to happen? I don't know what I, and so like, how freaked out would you be if your paycheck would stop tomorrow? It's your shepherd. It can be. But really, David is saying the Lord is all that. The the, the Lord is all I need, and I'll not be wanting anything if he's really my Lord. But we don't stop there. The other way that we answer this is some people have grown up with a wrong interpretation of who the Lord is. So instead of seeing him as a shepherd that feeds and guides and shields and drives we look to the Lord is my drill sergeant. And he's just waiting for you to screw up. He's waiting for you to get it wrong so he can cross his arms and tap his foot and wait through you to walk through the pearly gates. And you say, ha, tough, tough luck, bucko. And that's how you, got, that's how you grew up. You grew up in the, in, in the church that was probably well-meaning, but it was fire and brimstone. And you were scared of God. I want to tell you something. The sheep aren't scared of the shepherd. Shepherds, he's good. He's good and he's safe. The people look at him as a drill sergeant. They look at him as the judge. And yes, guess what? He is the judge. He's the almighty judge. But he's not just a judge. He's not looking just to separate what, how you lived and, and, and tell you that you're guilty. He's looking to redeem you and restore you. And yes, there will be a great judgment. But that's not his only role. The Lord is my go-to backup plan. When, 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 when things don't go crazy, i got to get back in church. When, when things are, are, are all, when i got a wheel in the, in the ditch, better go to church. Better talk to God about it. God, I didn't study for that exam, but if you'll just give me a second chance. He's your go-to backup plan. Thus saith the Lord, study, dork. 
Here's one that we probably wouldn't be quick to admit, but it does happen to all of us, including me. The Lord is my self. When we ignore the words of God and the character of Jesus and the conduct of Jesus and the, the convictions of him, when we ignore those things and we lean into our own understanding, we're saying, I want to be my own God. I want to be on the throne of my life. Jeremy is my shepherd. Jeremy is my Lord. We all have been guilty of letting self take the place. And David says, better than anybody, because yes, he was anointed at a young age to be king, but for years he was anointed to be king, but he was still shepherding sheep, nameless didn't even be remembered by his mom and dad to come in to be anointed by Samuel. Oh, you mean you mean you want you want David to come in too? He's like he's kind of on the back forty with his banjo and the little Dotson Dotson pickup truck. You want him to come in? And Samuel says, "I'm going to anoint the next king, and I'm not moving, and you're not sitting down until he gets in here." And here comes little thirteen year old boy David with you know knees like a camel and pimply face, dragging his banjo, you know, crazy hair, sunburnt nose. And Samuel anoints him, and he waits for a long time. But when he pins this, he understands the power of a shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. And it's only when we can get it right, when we can get the Lord is my shepherd, that the promise of that statement, the promise of that declaration, I shall not want, truly comes into play. Because guess what? If you make your paycheck your shepherd, paychecks run out. If you make sports your shepherd, you can get injured. You make your spouse your shepherd, your spouse is as imperfect as you are. If you make your emotions your shepherd, your emotions lie to you. Jiminy Cricket was a liar. Disney Pinocchio. It wasn't just Pinocchio lying. Jiminy Cricket should have had a nose lying, growing. Because he sang the song, Always let your conscience be your guide. No! Do not let your conscience be your guide. Your conscience will put you over the cliff. Because your conscience will lie to you. Try to define your life based on what you think inside of yourself. You are flawed. And Psalm 23 gives us the foundation to find all of that. And so to end today, I want to give you three benefits. Right out of the sheep gate. That, that was funny to me. It's not funny to you. It's funny to me. <laughs> three benefits right out of the sheep gate. That this very first verse... With just a few words that almost every single one of us have already memorized. There are three benefits. The first one is this. These first words that David penned is Psalm 23. They give us the first benefit, identity. You don't have to search long. You can do a Google image search for Psalm 23 pictures. And you will find... This, so cute, just precious. Oh, we didn't want to pinch it. The Lord is my shepherd. 
Another one, a little lamb. <laughs> just sweet. Just, just, just frolicking. Frolicking. <laughs> the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. And you know, the scripture has a lot to say about sheep. In fact, we're described as sheep several different times all throughout the word of God, Old Testament and New. In fact, we're like sheep, we go astray. <laughs> uh, we, 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 we try our own pathways and we get stuck in quicksand. In fact, if you look throughout the scripture, there are 400 references to sheep in the Bible. 400 different references. But would it surprise you that in all six verses of Psalm 23, there are absolutely zero references to sheep in Psalm 23? There is no lamb. There is no sheep. The, 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 the words don't even exist in this, in this poem that Google search will put lambs right in front of your face. Why is that? Because it's not about the description of the sheep. In fact, write it down. When you understand who he is, you discover who you are. So never in Psalm 23 is the sheep described, only the shepherd. And guess what? When you know who God is, you know who you are. When you can know who God is and what he's like and how he loves and how he disciplines and how he walks with us and how he leans into us and how he cares for us and how he never leaves us or forsakes us, it doesn't really matter who you think you are. You've got to know who he is. And through that, you discover who you are. But culture lies to you. Culture says, find yourself. Culture says, dig in there deep like. Get in there and go to the journey of self-discovery. Look inside your heart of hearts and find out who you are. The only problem is your heart is deceitful. Your heart is wickedness. You've got issues, and I've got issues. And when we try to find our identity based in finding it way inside us, your identity will be forever flawed. It's when we find his identity. Knowing him more deeply will help you find yourself. So the scripture, that's why it's so powerful. Because scripture says, hey, he's a shepherd. So guess what? You find your identity because we know who he is. You know who you are. He's a shepherd. That means you are guided. You are shielded. You are fed. You are a sheep. Hey, he's a father. Guess what that means? You are a son or a daughter no matter how you were raised, no matter what you went through, no matter what mom and dad were like, good or bad, you have an almighty heavenly father who's a perfect good father. And you're his son. You're his daughter. He's a defender. So you don't have to always defend yourself. Guess what? You're protected. You're protected. The name of the Lord is like a strong tower. The righteous run to it like squirrels being chased by a German shepherd. You can run up the tower that is God. He's a king. That means you have inheritance and you have authority in this life. He is grace. It means you are forgiven no matter. Stop walking around with the guilt and the forgiveness that God paid so deeply and dearly with the blood of his one and only son on Calvary. Stop walking around clothed in shame. Jesus took it all. He's grace. You're forgiven if you accept it. He's a friend to sinners. So guess what? You are never without 
a friend. Stop settling for the wrong friends because you feel alone. Jesus will be a friend that sticks closer than the best brother you could ever have. You're not, you're not clapping hard enough for the word of God this morning, everybody. Come on. Come on now. If you don't get this, if you don't get your identity, how much are you going to miss everything else? How much do we miss God when we don't know who he is because then we don't know who we are. So we're living our lives trying to be somebody else. Trying to do something we were never gifted to do. Trying to live off of the words of someone that isn't your shepherd. And he says, let me be enough. Because when you are not enough, guess what? He is. And whenever you can't, guess what? He can. So stop trying to find yourself. Find him. If you find him. If you search for him, he does, he is a terrible, you know what he's terrible, you know what God is terrible at? Can you believe it? The God of the cosmos is terrible at playing hide and seek. He, do, he does not hide himself away like my kids, like inside the cabinet, you know, that you would never think they could fit into. Or inside the washer or dryer while it's on. No, I'm kidding. They don't. They only did that once. <laughs> um, <clears throat> They hid, I turned it on, said, how you like me now? <laughs> you know? That's a lie. Do not call CPS, thank you. <laughs> identity. Your identity is not in who you are or what you will ever do. It's in he is my Lord and my Lord is my shepherd. You still with me so far? Number two, ownership. We get identity from this first scripture. We get ownership. Do you know that sheep, write it down, sheep don't have a leader, they have an owner. And, and yes, God is our leader. And we want to follow him. But he is not just a leader. He's not just the director of some uh, organizational church thing. He is our owner. He owns you. He created you. He is the creator, and you are the creation. And the creation doesn't get to choose who they were created by. You are simply made in the image of God. He loves you. You, you, are, you are his prized possession, the apple of his eye. You are a created being by God himself. You are not just a creation. You are owned by him. Psalm 100 says, know that the Lord... Lord, he is God. It is he who has made us. Say those words with me, everybody. Made us. One more time, everybody. Made us. And not we ourselves. You think that you made yourself? You think that you got to where you are all by your lonesome? Just because you built up your, pulled yourself up by your, your bootstraps? Your bootstraps aren't big enough. It's he who has made us and not we ourselves. We're his people and we're the sheep of his pasture but here's the deal not only does he make us it is a double ownership it's a double ownership because look he made you okay he formed you before you were even fully formed in the in your mother's womb he knit you together he knew you he gave you a soul he gave you purpose he has designs and blueprints on you and he's just breathes that in you and yes you have a, a body and and yes you have um, a soul but you also have spirit that is the, what is most like God and there is power in that, and in that spirit calls out for longing and Jesus wants that spirit to be saved by him but he made you but guess what 
He also bought you. The owner, the creator who made you also went out of his way to buy you. It's like the farmer who produces an incredible crop of tomatoes, takes the tomatoes to the farmer's market, and the first in line to buy all of his tomatoes is him. He's so proud of his tomatoes, he steps out from the market and he gets in and he says, how much are all these tomatoes? And he goes back around and says, they're very expensive. And he goes, ooh, I'm going to buy all these tomatoes. And he spins all. He spins the most valuable commodity he has for what he produced. And that's Jesus. God who made you spends the most valuable treasure on in heaven, his one and only son, pays for you with his son's own blood. He made you, but he doubles down and says, I want you to know that not only did I make you, and you're not just like a creator to a creation. I'm going to save you, and I'm going to buy you, and I'm going to bring you in, and you're not just like a servant in my house. You are a son, and you're a daughter, and and let me guide you, and I'll be there for you, and and, and I want you to be there for me, me and to trust me, and to be be my mouthpiece, and be my sons and daughters, and carry my royal crest. I want you to be a part of my family. He makes you, and he buys you, and it's the answer to the question that many people ask on this earth, and it's this. It's the need to belong. Where do I belong? Where do I fit in? Who are my people? Who, who's going to accept me? Have you ever thought, ooh, I wish someone would care? Has there ever been a time in your life, if you could think back, or maybe even to yesterday, where you felt unwanted or uncared for, and you, you didn't feel good enough, you, you, you didn't feel smart enough, you, you, didn't, you didn't feel like there was a place where you really could be yourself and unmask and be you. It's why we do what we do in taking next steps of having groups and connection points beyond these rows. It's powerful what God does on a Sunday morning, but he wants you to also be in community. To, to, be, to circle up with other people and after a while, whether it's just geeks and games, which is a group we have. Or, or it's just like a running group, or, or it's, a, it's a Bible study group that eventually somebody says something and you go like this. You go, oh, you, you dealt with that too? Me too. And you take that mask off long enough and someone else goes, what? You're human too? Me too. Oh, man, maybe I do belong. Maybe this is a place I can fit in. Maybe I do have friends. Maybe I'm not alone in this journey. And Jesus wants to remind you, I'm the shepherd. You you have identity and you have ownership. You have been made. I made you. You're valuable. You have a home. You are not forgotten. You are an orphan no longer. You can fall into my arms. I don't have my arms crossed waiting for you to mess things up. My arms are wide open. You are never a burden. In fact, I've said it clear in my scripture. Enter my courts with thanksgiving. Enter my courts with praise. I'm glad to hear from you. I want you to cry. I want you to laugh. I want you to tell me about things. You can even get mad at me because I'm God like the creator of the cosmos. I set the stars in place. If you want to cry out to me and say, why God did you let that happen? Why did I go through this? It's okay. I'm big enough and I'm strong enough. I wish you would cry out to me. Because I'll listen. And I'll listen longer and harder than anybody else. In fact, Isaiah says, keep the Lord up at night with your prayers. You're trying to count sheep. 
You're trying, you're staying up late at night thinking through all the things that someone did wrong to you. And God is saying, oh, I wish you'd stop thinking about that person and just talk to me. Because you're never a burden to me. I carried the greatest burden that you couldn't carry. So come and lay your burdens down at my feet. He's always glad to see you. Oh, here comes Nancy again from HR. That's never God. <laughs> the Lord is my shepherd. Identity, ownership, and then the final piece. It's a declaration. Because I know who I am, because I know whose I am, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. This, this speaks of contentment. Finding contentment. You know the scripture that's, that's popular in CrossFit gyms and on the walls and, you know, athletes write it on their face and in their shoes and it's cool. It's fine. Do it. If you do it, great. You got a t-shirt that says it. Nike runs with it. It's a Bible scripture, whatever. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That's a great, like, athlete verse. That's awesome. But it doesn't mean I'm going to hurdle this baby. Like, like, it doesn't mean that. I can do all things through Christ. I'm going to sing. No, you can't sing. It is not a gift God gave you. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Ah, no, stop. Stop. He, he, called you, he called you to play the radio. That's it. Like, that's it. <laughs> Click on Spotify, okay? I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. The only way you really understand that scripture is to know all of Philippians 4. And Paul says, I know how to be content when I have a lot of stuff or when I don't have anything. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. So when you got a little or when you got a lot, understanding the power of contentment, being okay with where you are because he is all you really need. Now, it's easy to say, it's easy to preach, but when your back is against the wall and the bills are coming, after, the bills are coming at you and the bill collectors are coming after you, yeah, maybe, maybe it can get scary. But here's what contentment doesn't mean. Write it down. Contentment doesn't mean I will always have what I want. There's going to be a season where you got to wait for some stuff. And you know what happens when you get things that you want in the wrong season? Blessings that you think you should have become burdens when you get them out of season. Like, like when they come early or when they come in your timing because you worked hard to do it versus trusting in God as your shepherd to provide when you need it. It's like the prodigal son who wants the blessing of the inheritance now. I want it now, dad. It's mine. I deserve it. I want it. I want it now. Give it to me. And what does that dad do? He gives him the inheritance, but it's the right thing in the wrong season because he doesn't have the maturity to deal with it. And he goes and wastes it. He wastes it. He spins it on roulette spins it in the bright lights of Las Vegas, comes back home, and he doesn't even know what to do. He's just going to be a servant in his daddy's house. You may not always have what you want, but God can give you peace that when you don't have what you want, he can still be enough. In God's timing, he will provide. You're waiting on that spouse, you're waiting on that breakthrough, you're waiting on that job, you're waiting on that relationship, you're waiting on that thing to come. They that wait upon the Lord will renew their strength. They'll be able to soar above the stuff that they get stuck in. 
They can run and not get weary. They can, they can walk and not fall over because they have trusted in the Lord when they have to wait on the Lord. What it, what it doesn't mean is I'll always have what I want or will I always want what I have because some of you have some things that you don't want. You've got some regrets. You've got some pain. You've got a tragedy. You've got a hurt. You've got a sickness. I have friends that right now they have what they don't want. But as the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, he sees you, he knows you. And yes, he's going to lead you in paths of righteousness. And he's going to take you through the valley of the shadow of death. You don't have to be alone. Even when you're walking where you don't want to walk or you have what you don't want to have, he says, I can be enough for you in that season. Here's what it means. It, do, it doesn't mean I'll always have what I want or I'll always want what I have. But it, but it can mean this. I will always have what I need. A song stuck in my head that we used to sing at our little church when I was a kiddo, Monette Assembly of God in Monette, Missouri. It's this little chorus. Some of you may know it if you've been in church a long time. Many of you won't. Um, but this is a song that even today is stuck in my head. Like just out of nowhere, it'll come up. And it's not one I want to get out of my head. It goes like this. It says, Lord, you are more precious than silver. Lord, you are more costly than gold. Lord, you more beautiful than diamonds and nothing that I desire compares with you if you can get your desires in check if you can truly find out who the Lord wants to be and who he is if you can surrender your pastures to the great shepherd you may not always have what you want. Sometimes you may have what you don't want. But you will always have. And he will always be all I need. Would you pray with me? Heads bowed, eyes closed. Can I just say to you that are listening, I've struggled with this because I want to be my own shepherd. And if you're here today and you feel this tugging in your heart that you don't want to keep on living the way you're living, but you, you want to lean into Jesus today and you want him to be your Lord and your shepherd. Him. That, that's the Spirit of God speaking to you. He loves you so much. He would not want you to go today without making that decision. And at all of our locations, if that's you, and you say, I want to surrender to Jesus as my Lord, and my Savior, and my Shepherd today, if that's you, just put a hand right up in the air. All locations, right up in the air, right up in the air, right up in the air. Yeah. Hands here, hands there. In your own words, you just simply say, Jesus, guide me. Forgive me. 
give me a fresh start. I don't want to be the shepherd of my own pastures. I want to be led by you. I want to follow wherever you go, whatever you say, however you see fit. I'm the sheep, and you're the shepherd. Be the Lord and the Savior in the center of my life. With heads bowed and eyes still closed, if you're here and you've invited him to be your shepherd, but there's still a valley you're going through, there's still a path that you need to be cleared, you're still looking and you're trying to trust him, but maybe you've been doing it in your own strength, just acknowledging that to him today. God, I don't want to do it in my own strength. Would you make me lie down? <laughs> make me lie down in green pastures and lead me beside the still waters. God, I'm asking that over the next few weeks you would just restore some things that are broken. God, I'm praying that when I'm feeling intimidated in the presence of my enemy that you would give me sustenance, you would give me what I need to survive. And God, that I would know, that I know, that I know that your mercy and your goodness are following me every day of my life. And that this world is not the end. That this world is only temporary. Someday I'm going to dwell in the house of the Lord forever and ever and ever. And I thank you that you're going to guide me all the way to the front door of your heavenly home as I place you as my shepherd in my good days and my dark days. And every single one of us ask it in the mighty name of the good shepherd Jesus Christ. And everybody said amen.